one. Welcome back to the latest edition of the Low IQ Podcast, the two voted most sexy Alaskans in the world, the Northern Goal. I am Jake, the mighty Alaskan Ute. We, we should clarify the Low Football IQ Podcast. I think our IQs are, are pretty decent in general. <laughs> I don't know. You, maybe. Maybe you. <laughs> But yeah, lo- okay, low football IQ. I wonder, have you ever looked into getting that tested? I always wonder about people who like know their IQ score. To me, that says more about like your narcissistic tendencies than it does about your IQ. Like someone who knows their IQ score. If any listeners know their IQ score, how'd you find out and why? And <laughs> and is it worth yeah. it? I've never, I've never looked into it, and I, I don't. I'm, I'm too afraid to find out. The thing is, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like I, I'm smart in certain areas, you know, and I know a lot about certain things. But then there's other things when people start talking, and like, yeah, I don't even, I don't even understand what you're talking about. I don't even care. Move on, you know. That's the funny thing about society is like, okay, you think about how stupid the average person is. This was a saying I heard when I was a kid. Think about how stupid the average person is, and then realize that 50 percent of people are dumber than that. And it's like. I mean, it's it's true, but like, would you want to know? You know, like, what if you were really? Would you want to know if you're really bad at something that was gonna hurt, like how you felt about yourself? Uh, I, I prefer I prefer naivete. You know, I prefer <laughs> yeah. what's the, what's the saying? I can't think of it off the top of my head. It's a, blissful it's ignorance. A, yeah, I prefer I prefer ignorance, man. If I yeah. if I'm bad at something, I don't want to know about it. You know. <laughs> We're all well, we're all just trying to do the best we can in life, right? Right. Welcome to the mysteriously mysterious IQ podcast where we don't really know how smart we are. But uh yeah, that's right. low low football IQ. I am Benji. You know, in fact, we, we we joke about it, but I bet I bet you we are on the upper echelon of football knowledge, you know? It could in be in the world. I my kids loved this. I just told them like two weeks ago the the it's not even a joke, the it's kind of a joke. It's like, yeah, between my brother and I we know everything. And I'm like, go ahead, ask me anything. And then whatever they ask, I'm like, that's one my brother knows. Oh, that's another one my brother knows. I don't know that one. <laughs> Pretty soon they caught on. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. No, but you think about it, people in the world. I mean, we're, 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 we're two of the most dedicated college football fans, comparatively speaking. And yeah, we know enough yeah. to, to talk ourselves. We may not be able to break down the QBRs and how they, how they get that and all that crap, but we know, we know our stuff, man. We're, we we got we got to give ourselves more credit than we do. I think if if people were analyzing football podcast hosts the way they analyze football teams, they would look at us and say they passed the eye test and they've got moxie and you know all those things. That's yeah. like the the intangibles. We're really good at the intangibles, but we got we got high motors, man. We're always going. <laughs> yes. You know. Yes. Cool. Well, we should maybe talk about football this week. We had uh we had two games that were great. Yes, sir. You know what? I think we I think we started out with Utah the last few weeks. So let's let's start out with your Cougs, man. Yeah. You, I guess maybe let's start with the big news. Your coach extended 2023 Kalani Satake. What are your thoughts on that? It's one of those things that like I think if Tom Homo could like script and drop how the news unfolds like this isn't the time or the play. The only thing that makes sense with the timing is that it was after the bowl invitation was extended. So you could look at that and say, okay, he made a bowl game, therefore he's extended. But I think looking at the way it unfolded, I think it's because the players were visibly rallying around Kalani. They had the t-shirts that said extend Kalani. And I think Tom Homo 
this flair for the dramatic looked at that and said, oh yeah, those, those shirts are cool. Maybe, just maybe, I need to step in and assuage some of the concerns that the players might have. And so as soon as you see the players kind of campaigning like that, they need to know. You know, I, I would imagine that that was going to be announced in the future, maybe the end of the year. Uh, I would imagine Kalani and Tom both knew, like, okay, this is going to happen, not worry. But but you can't really allow that campaigning to just go on and on and on and on. So I think he stepped in immediately when he saw the need. And the way he did it was pretty cool. Just unzip his jacket, flashing his T-shirt too, like he's with them. And that's that's the cool thing I love about it is just showing the unity. Like Tom Homo saying, I'm with you, you're with your coach, we're all together, this is awesome, so good times. From an outside perspective looking in, though, it's kind of weird. Like, let's go play our FCS team, and then in the locker room after we beat them, that like announce it then. But like I say, the circumstances being what they were, it makes sense to me. Yeah, dude, you can't have all that outside noise and just ignore it. You can't have players wearing extend our head coach shirts and fans talking about it. When his contract's almost running out, when it's getting towards the tail end, you got to do something. You got to either lock him up or let him go, right? I mean, uncertainty is worse right. than than anything. So yeah, and that you know that I like the way they did it. I because that's that's part of why I love college football so much is the passion, the unity, things like that. You know, to have the team mm-hmm. dancing while he rips a shirt off. I love that kind of stuff because I love the I love the Ute locker room videos after wins when they're singing Utah Man and that that's part mm-hmm. of what I love so much about this sport. It's not professional. It's still people who are doing it for the passion of the game. And so dude it is it was cool. It was cool. So yeah. um but yeah you, you, I mean you could debate on and on whether it's whether it's I mean you, you can, like I said, you can't have the uncertainty. You got to either extend them or let them go, right? Right. Um, well, and my thought and you know, at this a few point, I guess ago, really, I was saying know, this will be a <laughs> I think our I think our phone audio cut out and we were both talking for a minute there. Go ahead. No, you I was done. You you picked up right perfectly. Oh, okay. We're it's somehow it's delayed in in your noise to me. That's all right. We're low tech IQ as well. Um no, the th- a few episodes ago I was saying like you use the few hard games you have as kind of the litmus test. Man, he he aced the test against Boise State, aced the test against Utah State, and then you can't really base anything else on anything until you get to San Diego State in the bowl game. So I would have been inclined to say, well, let's just make sure that we can have some consistency and then talk about it. But, but yeah, I mean, it's kind of the opposite. Compare it to when teams have a players-only meeting and the players say, hey, look, something's got to change. When there's divisiveness in the locker room, when the coach has lost the team and the team doesn't support or believe in the coach. And this is the exact polar opposite. And I think at the end of his career, Kalani's going to be able to chalk up all the success he's had to the fact that his players love him. He is a player's coach. He gets guys to, to go to bat for him. And, and you saw that very, you know, it was visible there on the T-shirts. Yep, and I've said many times on this very podcast how much I like Kalani Sataki. So when I saw the video, I was super happy for him. He's a great dude. He spent 10 years coaching at the U. He's He's been nothing but complimentary after. He and Kyle are friends. And so, dude, as, as a person, I'm super, super happy for him. So good yeah. for him. Let's see what happens going forward. Okay, yeah. so your game this week. Talk about. Let's talk about that. Yeah, it was a fun game, uh, and and that's really all I wanted. I wanted them to go have fun, and there's a few times they did. So the, the few goals you have. One, let's get Zach Wilson to to have the rust off. We didn't really know if he'd be good to go last time we recorded. He played. He played okay. He didn't go out there and and really do phenomenally well, but 
you know, his first game back. This is kind of like the equivalent to a spring ball if he's been sitting around playing video games all winter. I'm not saying he did. That's just kind of what this is like when he's in recovery on his throwing hand. He can't do a lot. So uh, great opportunity for him to just get the rust off. Uh, his, his wheels looked good. He had a, a breakaway run or two that I was impressed with. But then for the, the goals for the team at large, the, the, the way I saw that they had fun was um, – Kyrus Tonga getting himself a touchdown. That was so cool, which to me shows – so it was senior day, and he's not a senior, but he indicated preseason that he's going to the draft, and, and I think we're all expecting him to declare for the draft. So on his final game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium to get him a touchdown, I love that. I thought it was cool, and I thought it was worth it. And and uh, that's another thing where Sataki's showing that he's a player's coach. You know, he's going to say, all right, this guy has contributed a ton to the program over his career and this year. And you know what? He wants a touchdown. Let's get him a touchdown. And uh, and so I thought that was really fun. Um, nothing really. Yeah, that's cool. That reminded that... me. Oh, go ahead. That reminded me of uh, it happened. Uh, Steve Fafita got a touchdown. I get. I, I believe same time it was against BYU on Senior Day in two thousand four. The the year was the Fiesta Bowl. Um, Urban Meyer put Fafita defensive tackle in. He got a touchdown, and it was pretty sweet. I remember that. Yeah. 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 It's kind of fun to see. Um, ton of penalties i don't know how much we need to read into that because it's an fcs opponent i have no idea where the officiating crew was coming from um but i mean it it was a little concerning that just every four plays you get one of them called back and so uh but you know they probably weren't locked in and hyped up and and they were out having fun so i'm not really concerned about that but it was all in all not a bad saturday is joe critchlow is he a senior because i noticed he got got in and threw some passes um, is he a senior or no? Boy, I would not be surprised if he's a senior because he's been around for a long time. He came in, uh, I think, when that year when Taysom went out and then Mangum had injuries later on. He was our, our go-to guy. That would have been two, three years ago. So he's he's likely a senior. I got gotcha. you. I was just wondering why he came in versus Baylor Romney. But maybe that's that's probably why I, then I would guess. I would look at that as, I don't know. When I saw that happening, there's – Okay, Romney maybe has some concerns with his foot. I think he's got a nagging foot injury. I don't think that's the reason why, though. I think you've got Jaron Hall who can't go. You've got Zach Wilson who we're just kind of testing the waters with trying to get him back. I think Baylor becomes that much more valuable where if Baylor were to get injured, Baylor Romney against Idaho State, you'd look at that and say, well, crap, what are we going to do if we've got nobody but Joe Critchlow for San Diego State or for the bowl game and so uh, I think there may have been some we already know Baylor can ball out let's just kind of hold him back just in case we need him yeah gotcha well good sounds like uh sounds like it was a successful weekend for you then and as we know we we went in what did we say last podcast BYU or BYU's got to beat Idaho State by more than they than Utah beat (laughs) Idaho State right and I saw yep. a very timely tweet from you mentioning that BYU won by 32, Utah only won by 31. Therefore, BYU is obviously the better team this year. I would yeah. counter with one fact. One fact. What? We oh, really? shut Idaho State out. Yeah. You, know, you were able to give them 10 points. So I'm going to – in this heated battle on who's better, I'm gonna, that's my talking point, that we, we shut Idaho State out where you didn't. So you could you want to go by breaking it down by percentages of like how well you did like break it down saying we allowed this but we did this and you can't really do percentages because if you divide by zero like the universe collapses but but like I'm saying okay just point differential we win 
But you're right. Like if you were to break it down and say, well, we allow them to score X percent of our points. And so how much better, like how much exponentially better are you than them? Um, the, the point, my main point though was BYU and Utah are just neck and neck. I mean, you look at all these different comparables. You got USC, you got Washington, then you got the point differentials with each of those games, and then you got the point differential Idaho State. And it's like, but we could just debate this all day. And, and you know, it, they're just, they're pretty I good. Guess, Both I of guess. them should have a good season. <laughs> yeah, I guess, oh, I guess they're just, it's another year where we just don't know. Dang we it. will never we know. We have to. Here's another. To go I gotta, I gotta get this off my chest. For those of you who are new at Twitter, this is the stupidest thing ever. It is. The, it goes both ways. You've got BYU fans in week two. Who week two BYU was high on the hog, right? We're like beating Tennessee, having an amazing time, and Utah played FCS Idaho State. And so the same BYU fans that are chirping in week two about how much better our week was or whatever, they deserve the smack coming the other direction. I've heard so many times how, could you imagine, could you imagine playing Idaho State in November? It's like, come on, it all evens out. We're just having like a chronological disparity here, but it's the same. It's not a big deal. It's like your it's like your season's Benjamin Button. It's going it goes in reverse, you know. It's true. We're we're aging correctly. You're aging in reverse. We are the where. Benjamin Buttons of football. But the, here's the thing, though: it's come a long way. Like those first few independent schedules, it really was lopsided. It was, September was awesome, intimidating. October was okay, not so bad. November on was just garbage. We've it's flipped around. I mean, Wisconsin was a late in the year game. Uh, Utah's been a late in the year game. San Diego State's no slouch. I mean, they're not like a P five opponent, but but it's a game to get up for and say, okay, we can't just sleepwalk through this one. And so you know, it's. It's not as bad as it used to be. I think sometimes that narrative from those first two years kind of lingers way longer than it should. Just like the narrative of some garbage troll saying that Utah picks up DUI players that no other school wants. It's like, get out of here. This Utah team is full of good dudes. Like, anybody who's who's hanging on to this old, like, things from three years ago, come on. You're not watching the team. Dude, I know. It's frustrating, but it's it's... It's a narrative that we've both locked into fan bases, you know, and and sometimes you, you don't get away from from the way you're, you know, the the way you've set it up, the evidence you have. Because you're right, Utah yeah. is full of good players, um, good people. You have, I, I don't want to get into it, but you know, <laughs> Devonte Henry Cole, good dude, baptized by uh, by I think Covey or Chase Hansen last year. Uh-huh. You know, there's Zach Zach Moss is like the most humble freaking player on the planet when he could be the opposite because he's such a freaking bad A on the field, you know? Right, and he's just right. a good, good dude. I just, I don't know. I, I hate when people attack character and whatever. But anyway, let's talk about this Utes game this last week. It was basically yeah. a carbon copy of our previous five Pac-12 games where we come out and both sides of the ball are just incredible. The thing mm-hmm. that this game started out with UCLA moving the ball actually on their first drive and we couldn't really contain their quarterback. He's super athletic and super fast, and he would break break contain and get a first down on a third and six or find somebody in the flat first down. And so they moved the ball down to the two-yard line. Then we had two back-to-back sacks to, to have him attempt a field goal, and that was their only points, man. From then on out, our defense was awesome. Um, Tyler Huntley, again, looked like a freaking Heisman candidate. He's so efficient and so – I mean, it just it amazes me every week, and I, I I compared his stats with 
Alex Smith's Fiesta Bowl year stats. And that's kind of the gold standard when it comes to Utah football quarterbacking is Alex Smith. That's who that's who we all kind of point to. And Tyler Huntley's having a better year statistically than Alex Smith did. Um, he's got a better touchdown interception ratio. He's got a much better he's got a better completion percentage. He's got a better quarterback rating. And Alex Smith has more touchdowns, but that's because they they threw the ball a ton more than than Tyler Huntley does. And even with that, their their yards per game are almost identical. So so Tyler Huntley's having an incredible year. He looked awesome. He's uh, he's recovered from his injury. And uh, first touchdown, you could tell. He rolled out. He had a, a defensive end bearing down on him. He pump faked, made him look silly, dodged another – or juked another guy, dove the end zone. He looked good. So Utah came out. They dominated again, won 49-3. to And, man, it's just it's, – it's a, it's a march now to the Pac-12 title game against Oregon. There, there were two – Early, and it might have even been the same drive, or it was one drive back to back. There were two of just these ultimate highlights that are going to make every year end Utah highlight film that recaps this entire season. It was Huntley doing that, where he held the ball out, kind of pump faked, and, and just faked the guy out big time. It reminded me of backyard football when you're just playing around with your friends, and it's like, man, you totally got that guy to buy it. And then, um, Keithy had kind of the same thing, where it was like this big rumbling tight end downfield suddenly looks like Allen Iverson down there, like faking left, going right, and the UCLA defender looks silly. And, uh, man, that was kind of fun to see. Um, yeah, my, dude, Oh, uh, go ahead. Keithy has been, to me, the biggest surprise of the team this year. He was good mm-hmm. last year. He he had good, you know, PFF focus numbers, pro football focus numbers. Always thought he was good as a freshman, but he has just come into his own this year, where he is like a dominant tight end, and quite frankly, our most reliable receiving uh, threat out of uh, in the passing game. He's mm-hmm. just he he's he's big, but he's also agile. Like you said, that play that you mentioned, I believe you're referring to. He caught a ball in the flat, and he was going squared up on like a linebacker, and kind of juke to the left and the right. Made the guy miss completely and was able to get another ten yards out of it. He just looks, he looks the part. He had another touchdown later in the game where he spun and the the guy tried to tackle him. He spun him off and it was a sixty nine yard touchdown. And he just he's a sophomore and he, he's he's going to be a big time player for the next two years for us. But he just he's mm-hmm. got good hands. He's really smart and uh, he just he just plays the position well. So we're we're definitely set there. Yeah, he possibly the. Uh in-season most improved Ute player? Because I, I remember early on he had some some costly drops. You know, the first couple of games I was like, who is this guy? Get him off the field. But then he, I feel like he's been more and more involved in the game plan as the season has progressed. So good for him. He has. In fact, one of his biggest drops was against BYU in the first game. Mm. It was, uh, I think it was, it was early first quarter. Utah was up, I think, 6 nothing at that point, or 3 nothing. either no, 3 nothing at that point. And Tyler Huntley threw a pass across the middle to a wide open Keithy. No one on him for ten yards, and he would have gone another fifteen, twenty yards for probably a forty to fifty yard gain. And it hit hit him right in his hands. He dropped it. Mm. Next play, Tyler Huntley gets tackled in the backfield. Then we punt, and BYU drives down and kicks a field goal. So it was a huge game changing drop because it would have put us down in your territory. But yeah, he had he had mm. a couple, two or three drops that were really bad. But he's really improved and he's dude he's he's looked he's looked awesome there's no other way to put it. he's looked he's looked like the best receiving threat we have out there for sure yeah yeah my point of view watching this game unfold it, it reminded me a lot of the last few games i think cal uh and then uh washington and then the first quarter where i'm watching that thinking 
Utah, this someone's figured them out. This is about to be here. Here they go. This is their downfall. When you see, for whatever reason, teams on their opening drive, they they've been moving the ball, and then they will never move the ball again. And that's kind of what it felt like. I was like, okay, this quarterback is legit. This uh, DTR, <laughs> which uh, the tweet, the DTR for. <laughs> In my culture, in my era growing up, DTR meant define the relationship, and it's the most frustrating, painful <laughs> talk you can have. And here's the cool thing, too. I had a girlfriend sophomore year from Oregon, and she loved those. Every week it was like, what are we? Okay, well, where do you see us? What, what where is this are we going? going? Yeah, what? Exactly. Yeah. It's like that's I got off worst. my mission like three months ago, and I just—it's just fun to hold your hand. That's all I cared about. Like, you know, <laughs> I wasn't—I wasn't ready to settle down or anything like that. The thing I love about my well, there's many things I love about my wife. I went the entire time of like dating, boyfriend, girlfriend, engaged, married, and we never once had it. The only time we really had a DTR was like will you marry me you know like it was yeah. just so cool she was just not insecure about it anyway i don't like dtrs but um but dtr the quarterback yeah. that first quarter i thought he's gonna get it done he's he's got the uh the eyes downfield he's he's accurate he's elusive anytime he breaks contain he can get a first down just by himself and i thought here here they go this is the team that beats the utes and then sure enough they figure it out on that second and third drive and then never again and that's been the pattern yeah, I actually, um, I actually had this conversation with a friend after the game. It's like, it seems like every first drive, people score on us, and that's mm-hmm. that has been the pattern. And and like for a defense that's so elite, I don't know what it is. I don't know if they just have if they just need a few a few a drive to kind of get their bearings or figure out the defense. But you're right. It seems like every first drive, people drive down on us, and I talk about this with my brothers all the time. <clears throat> it takes us a few minutes to warm up, but you're after the first drive, it's locked down shut them out and same thing happened here they drove down they got to the two yard line got a field goal then after that there's nothing same thing with washington washington scored their first drive same thing with you know arizona state cal it's the same type of thing people move the ball in their first drive but after that it's freaking insane lockdown defense and here's a fact that one of my twitter peeps shout out to our friend Braden shamo pointed out mm-hmm. there in all six home games utah's defense has outscored the other team's offense Close or tied them or tied them, yeah. Well, so here's the because they got they got looking into that a little bit deeper. Uh, the number of touchdowns has been that way, but then the field goals and then the the times when they've like shut them out, hold them for touchdowns. So because I think the claim initially was like BYU would or BYU Utah would still be bowl eligible even if the offense hadn't scored all year. And it's, cool. it's if you just look at touchdowns, then it's like yeah, the defense has been keeping up with the offenses from the other team, which is cool. Yeah, uh, that's that's yes, right. So correct. I I was going to clarify that, but you beat me to it. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But but there's been 14 scoreless quarters, and dude, I mean, rarely. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Maybe you should BYU should be proud the fact that they scored a touchdown on this Utah defense because dude, it's it's legitimately a top three defense in the country, like by all metrics. Yeah. You know, it is a lockdown. Loaded with studs defense. So the fact that you scored a touchdown, that's like an accomplishment, man, because a lot of teams haven't. Well, and, and here's the thing. I don't want to hang my hat on that moral victory like like we sometimes do. But going way back preseason, like our season preview episode, uh, I thought it was really cool that I said, look at the way ESPN is projecting these, that um, USC will be a tough game. For whatever reason, ESPN liked UCLA and then maybe someone else. But BYU was slated to be the fourth toughest opponent. Looking back... 
I think BYU is even better. Like I think um, oh, Washington was the other one. So I would look back and be like, okay, Washington, USC, obviously are the the toughest two opponents that Utah has faced. I I don't know if you can really argue that BYU doesn't belong in that number three slot, which is a good segue into an article I read that you read only part of and didn't finish reading from John Wilner. And uh, I would love to hear your thoughts on that, which, I, again, this not my thoughts, his thoughts. And he's, he, he explained all the reasons that he has them like six spots below where they are in the AP poll or something like that. Uh, Reader's Digest version real quick here is, and it's something, and it, I hate this because we're going to go back to like the early years of independence. Someone on the radio pointed out erroneously, they were wrong, but they pointed out BYU's record against teams that have P5 teams who have finished with a winning record. And it was such an obscure thing that you couldn't just quickly Google it. And I just, it didn't sound right to me. I spent 15 minutes because everyone on Twitter was loving that. And I found out he was wrong. I was like, no, 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 I've counted them up. Here they are. And BYU was still bad, but it was like, I think something like 20% or 10% uh, victory rate against P5 teams who finish with a winning record. But it's such a weird thing because you think, okay, if a P5 team has a winning record at the end of the year, they're a good team. And so, yeah, BYU against really good teams isn't that great, which then led to years later, this tweet I tweeted this year of unbelievable how Utah in the entire history of their program has never beat a team that finished the season undefeated. Can you believe that? <laughs> That I remember it went over well. Yeah, I remember that tweet. That's great. <laughs> oh, circling back to all of that, here's the thing, and I'm going to go ahead and speak for you. You can only play who's in front of you, and you can't help if they're not great. But how do you feel about that as people saying that Utah's success this year might be a little bit of a paper tiger because they've been blowing out teams that are just not great? And, and you look at it you say, okay, they got a good win against Washington. They've got a, a loss against USC, who's kind of, you know, not great for USC, but they're USC, so they're always okay. And then BYU is probably their next best win, which, great, you know, I love BYU. Let's say, hey, you're welcome for beefing up your strength of schedule. Uh, but how do you feel on all that? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things you touched on that I, I can't remember them all, so I'm just going to go <laughs> off a few things. Um, but the thing about statistics, my man Rick Majerus used to say, statistics are like Brazilian bikinis. They conceal as much as they reveal, right? <laughs> you can take any number of statistics and gerrymander it in a way to make your point and your argument, right? That's what that's what I feel John Wilner has been doing, is been yeah. cherry-picking statistics to make them look better for his argument. I disagree with him, I and I disagree with that that um, that's, that um, – uh, shoot, the word just left the whole mind. logic. The, uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. That that Utah is a paper tiger, dude. I, I, you can only play who's in front of you, but dude, they're not only beating; they are dismantling these freaking teams, and they are mm. killing them. And on top of that, it, let's talk about gerrymandering statistics. This the Pac-12, while it's really only two top-heavy teams, and then a huge chunk of middle. There's no other conference in the league where there's every team has won at least four games. So there's yeah. not a bottom that's totally dragging it down. There's a giant middle where people are just beating each other up. But either 500 or winning records, Utah's got like six wins against people that either have a 500 record or better. You know, people talk about winning teams, so they discount the five and five teams we've beat. You know, right, right. Because that's not quite a winning team. But if you just go shift it one game to where it's just five hundred or better, they've got six wins against teams like that. Yeah. Um, and and so I think the middle of the Pac-12 is better 
then, I mean, you look at the ACC, it's freaking garbage. It's Clemson, and that's it, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of teams that drag them down. Even the Big Ten, they have freaking Rutgers, and they have crap like that. All of our teams, like I said, have, have won at least four games. So I think, as a whole... The conference may not have as many top-heavy studs, but we don't have the absolute garbage at the bottom that drags a lot of conferences down, too, that everybody beats up on. You have a 4-5 and five UCLA team beating a 4-4 four and four Arizona State team or a 5-5 five and five Wazoo versus a 5. So there, there's teams that are good enough to win five, six games, but there's a ton of them, you know? So it totally yeah. skews it in my mind because I look at Wazoo – Wazoo's five and five. Their offense is insane. I think they'd beat a lot of teams that have a better record. They just they've played a lot of teams that are pretty similar, and it's just it's just the conference likes to beat beat itself up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can point to you can point to the fact that we don't have any really top end wins. But it, it's funny because again, back to people like picking and choosing their statistics. You hear all the time LSU has this many top ten wins. Well, dude, they're counting Texas as one of their top ten wins. Texas uh, is six and four, not even ranked anymore. But they still throw right. them in there as a top ten win. So it's like, do you count them when they were ranked? And yes, so it counts as a ranked win. Or look how they finished the year. They suck. So they, I mean, that's why people are like, oh, Utah has no good wins. Look at well, dude, when Arizona State when we played them, they were five and one and a two top fifteen teams. You know, so that was a huge game that week. But Arizona State, we beat them out of their will. They don't even care anymore, and they suck. So people point out, oh, you haven't beat anybody that's good. Well, you can't count LSU freaking beating Texas as a top 10 win, but not Utah beating Arizona State counting as a decent win. I mean, Arizona State, they traveled across the country, went to Michigan State, and beat Michigan State. Yes, Michigan State's not great, but still a Big Ten team. So they're so it's so nuanced, you know? Yeah. That's why when people pull these statistics and say, look at this, X, Y, Z, this is why Utah's a paper tiger. But you can say, oh, well, how about you pull these ones where it's easy? You know, I don't know. I could go on and on, but <laughs> bottom line is eyeball test, which I which I always like to refute because it's like there's no metrics to it besides you're just basically saying eyeball test is my opinion. Anyway, eyeball test, I look at Utah, and I see the best Utah team I've ever seen in my life, and that in- includes seeing a 2014 that went undefeated and 2018 that went undefeated and won the Fiesta and Sugar Bowls. I think this team beats both those teams. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit something that I'll probably deny later or take back later. It, it this is the thing. It, as much as as a rival fan, I don't want Utah to go to the college football playoff. What I really don't want is I don't want them to get the Rose Bowl bid and Oregon go to the playoff and then Utah play somebody like a uh, Minnesota or something like that and beat them soundly and then go on forever wondering, you know, how would they have done against LSU? And so I, I would rather say, because that's the thing, I've, I've followed this team closely due to this podcast. You're welcome, everybody. I watch Utah, and I want to see how they would hold up to one of the other elite teams, because you're right, they look like an elite team, and I think someone like Ohio State or LSU or whoever else is in the conversation there would be a good test for Utah, because I think they can compete with them. They look like they can. And I don't want to just go on forever wondering and like, because that's the thing. If, if we go on forever wondering, Utah fans will forever talk about how good it would have been. And BYU fans would have, will forever cling to it, but they didn't make it. And so whatever. And, and I'd, I'd rather know. I'd rather know. Let's find out. Let's throw them in the playoff and let's see how they do. Uh, obviously, you have Dude, to get past Oregon is, is, first. But, but yeah. That's the thing. Is I look at all the teams that, that that are in the playoff conversation. I really only think there's one team we really wouldn't be able to compete with, and I think that's Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I think they're too good on both sides of the ball. LSU, 
Dude, they gave up 400 yards rushing to freaking Ole Miss last week. 600 total yards. They're mm-hmm. good, but we're good enough where we can hang with a team like that. I think we can hang with them. I think all the teams – and, dude, I mean, we're, we're ranked seventh in the playoff bowl, so it's not like this total leap saying a number seven team can hang with a number two team, you know? So yeah. we are ranked – so we are it's, – it's not a huge leap, but I think we can hang with anybody, and I think we could beat anybody. I'm not saying we would beat anybody. You know, I, I, I wouldn't obviously be surprised at all if we played LSU and they beat us, you know? But I think if you played them – 10 times we'd win you know a, a good share not most of them but dude I, I think we could beat them i don't think there's anybody mm-hmm. we can't beat except ohio state they just they scare me they're really good but yeah, yeah. dude it, it, i look back and i look at those other two years i mentioned 2004 and 2008 i always wonder i always wonder 2004 yeah. i think could have beaten anybody that year there were three other undefeated teams oklahoma lsu and auburn i mean sorry sorry usc lsu and auburn um mm-hmm. And and um, I remember USC beat Auburn, I think. Or no, I can't remember exactly. Auburn went to the Sugar Bowl, and they won that. They were undefeated. Um, LSU beat – or USC beat LSU, I think. Anyway, long story short, I think we could have beat anybody that year. We had the number one draft pick in Alex Smith. We had Eric Weddle, our best defender of all time, on that team. I think we could have beat anybody, and I always do wonder about that. And you're right, it would suck to wonder about this team. Yeah. So I hope we get in. Yeah, you'd mentioned so the ACC. I just read this morning. Uh, they've got Clemson on the one side. The other division. So when you get your conference championship game, it's going to be a team with at least four losses against Clemson, which means Clemson's going to win. Clemson's going to go to the playoff likely, and then you got a four-loss team representing in the Orange Bowl, and that's that's just kind of messed up. That's kind of weird. But but you're right. They they're having kind of a similar problem. The Pac-12 has the two teams with one loss. Other than that, if it were if Utah was down or Oregon was down, they'd be exactly like the ACC right now, you know, like one elite yeah. and then everybody else kind of just there. And that's the thing is is the ACC has benefited perception wise from Clemson being so good, and they are. They've won two national championships. They're great, but that's all they've really had. And so nobody ever talks about oh ACC sucks. The punching bag is the Pac-12. Everyone loves to pile on the Pac-12, saying the Pac-12 isn't a power conference. Pac-12 sucks. Well, dude, top to bottom, year after year, Pac-12 is better than the ACC, with the exception they have Clemson. That's mm-hmm. really helped bolster their image, you know? Yeah. So you'd mentioned Arizona State beating uh, Michigan State, and then uh, Utah beat BYU. What other Pac-12 non-conference wins can you point to and say we're not the cellar dwellers? Uh, I mean, Arizona beat Texas Tech. There's their okay. t- Arizona sucks. Texas Tech is middle of the road, Big 12. Um, there's really not a ton of non-conference you yeah. know, wins. Um, I mean, Stanford has a chance to, to knock off Notre Dame, but Stanford's really down this year compared to the past, so I don't expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest problem is sucks is the game that's the first game of the year when Oregon lost to Auburn. Yeah. That would have been huge perception for the Pac-12. And the thing is, they should have freaking won that game. Yeah. They were up like three scores. They dropped another touchdown the end zone that would have put them up like four scores, and they missed the field goal right after. And then Auburn won on the last, basically the last 30 seconds of the game that Oregon led wire to wire. They should have freaking won that game. That was a huge blow to the Pac-12 because that's what everyone pointed to. Oh, SEC, you know, one of the third and fourth best teams in the SEC, Oregon loses to them when really Oregon should have won. So that was, that was the big... Yeah. 
problem. Well, this and that's year. if you just look at Oregon compared to Utah right now, Wilner is counting that as a quality loss. You know, he's saying, yeah, that's one loss, but it's understandable because it's SEC, because it's Auburn and all this. So, but but you're right. I mean, you turn that quality loss to a quality win. Oregon's probably ranked number two or three in the nation. Yep, undefeated, and it, but I, I don't mind it, you know, because I, I feel like I've said this all along. I mean, everyone's everyone's dissecting this playoff race down to the the you know the nuts and bolts. Both BYU, Utah, and Utah State, they all don't want Utah to get in, so they know the 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 race as well as we do. Uh-huh. I, I look at it, and I feel like, man, I still feel like if we if Utah and Oregon meet in the Pac-12 title game, I feel like the winner goes to the playoffs because. I'm assuming a few things at this point. I'm assuming LSU beats Georgia and wins out. If they don't, that screws everything. I'm assuming Ohio State and Clemson win out. So really, the fourth spot is open. Yeah. There's a lot of teams that still play each other. Um, Baylor and Oklahoma still play each other in the championship game. Ohio State, Penn State, Minnesota's got the big tentile game. So just looking logically, it comes mm-hmm. down to three teams. Alabama, Oklahoma, and the winner of the Pac-12 title game for that fourth spot. Right? Okay. It yeah. comes down to those three teams. It depends what happens with Alabama now they don't have Tua. If they don't look good against Auburn, I think Auburn can beat them. If they can beat them, and if, if Oklahoma can get knocked off by Oklahoma State, dude, it comes down to that Pac-12 title game. The winner yeah. of Oregon-Utah, at that point, it'll be like the fifth and sixth ranked team or the fourth and fifth ranked team. Winner goes to the playoffs, loser goes to the Rose Bowl. That's what I've been feeling has happened. I don't know if it's the spirit telling me this or if <laughs> if it's just my my heart, but I just, I just feel like that's what's going to happen. It's like... So people are always like, oh, Utah's got no chance. Dude, Utah is legitimately in this race. Legitimately. So. You look at people predicting it. Brett McMurphy predicted just last week, this week, that Utah's the fourth seed. And I don't know. I feel like I feel like we can make it happen. But that being said, all I care about, I've always wanted, the number one thing I've wanted is I just want a Pac-12 championship. I want it. Yeah. If we win the Pac-12 championship, Worst case scenario is the freaking Rose Bowl, right? Yeah. That's the worst case scenario. If we miss the playoffs and go to the Rose Bowl, I honestly don't think I'll be that disappointed because it's the freaking Rose Bowl, and I've wanted it forever. So all I say, handle your business, Utah. Good things will happen. The thing is, I I, I feel that I get it. Like you know that I don't want to discredit that, but because I'm not a Utah fan, I can say this: the national freaking championship is within reach. Like within reach, it's never been within reach before for the University of Utah. And it's, there is a road that goes there, and it's possible. And you're right. I think the Oregon game is a play-in game, essentially. Uh, but there's there's too many variables and too many factors to guarantee that. But it feels like a play-in game. But, yeah, to, to, to do that and to say, like, let's say you beat LSU and somehow Clemson beats uh, Ohio State for you, and then it's Utah versus Clemson in the national championship. Like, man – that's like that's 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 legit, and that would be crazy. So it's, it would be. It's dude, like trust so me, I, I want that more than anything. I yeah. want that more than anything because you want your shot at the best, right? Yeah. And so I want that. And and I've said before, they need to expand the freaking playoffs. They just need to. Any playoff where opinion based is who gets in isn't a real freaking right. playoff. You can't have. I mean, every other league, you play your way in. You can start off the season and say, if we win X amount of games and win this division or whatever, we're in. That's the way it is. You mm-hmm. settle on the field. But in this, you still have to hope for other teams to lose and the opinion of a committee to get you in and that's bs they need to expand to eight so every conference champ gets it gets in and i don't know it's just it's super frustrating but you're right it's i don't know if we'll be ever 
at this level again. I mean, I hope we will. I think we will. But you never know because I look back at like the 1998 run in Utes. We lost in the freaking championship game against Kentucky in the last two minutes. And I thought, I was like, yes, this sucks. But next year we got Andre Miller back. We got, um, you know, we got Alex Jensen back. We're going to be back. And we never made it back to the Final Four. And so I'm afraid that... Is this it? Is this our one chance? If we don't do it, we'll be 20 years from now saying, dang it, if we had gotten in the playoffs, we could have won it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting, uh, channeling Mike Leach here, who I think pointed this out. This is why any any argument against uh, a full-on playoff, not just 8 or 16, but freak, 32 teams would, would be about right. Any argument against that just doesn't make sense because the powers that be will say no no no. they got to focus on their school they got to you know that would be too long of a season there's all kinds of arguments you can make but you step back and you say okay the high school level they make it work the fcs level they make it work the nfl makes it work why don't any of those arguments work for those other leagues like it can work the only reason it doesn't work is there's money and there's politics involved and it's the worst thing about the ncaa they just need they just need to make it like full-on fair for everybody relegation conferences where you can play your way in lose your way out i mean fairness would be amazing it would be such a breath of fresh air for teams that find themselves and i don't want to sound like i have a persecution complex here but man it sure seems like the ncaa does not like byu the last several years and and it's just it's frustrating it's very frustrating dude you make dude you're absolutely right on those points every other league every other league high school division one double a division one division two division three nfl every level of football ends in a legitimate playoff except one division one football that's it that's the only one that doesn't and you're right it all comes back to following the freaking money right the as we as we hear in the scriptures the love of money is the root of all evil right and that's where it always is because you have these power brokers like alabama oklahoma ohio state that are getting an unfair advantage because of the money and they don't want to relinquish that. And that's all it is. It comes down to the money. It's not fair. They should set it up to where every team ha- starts the year knowing they can play their way in without the opinion of a committee. You know? Ah! Now you're getting me angry. All right. So here's an idea I just had. And, and I want you to tell me if you take it or leave it. Athletics officially becomes divorced from academics. Uh, everything is privatized. It becomes a minor league. It is affiliated with a university in name only, and they have the rights to play on campus, but they're separate entities governed separately, and it's a, a private league for profit that, you know, the teams can be successful or not successful, and it has nothing to do with university funds or anything like that. You take it, do you leave it? Dude, I think it's going to be that way, actually, eventually, anyway. I think it's going that way. But the problem is, Benjamin, and here's the problem, it's just going to be the power brokers that are going to keep everyone out. They will form like a super league of thirty, the 30 biggest universities. Mm-hmm. They get all the money. They get all the access. And it's going to create a bigger division. So while logically that sounds better, it's 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 not going to be more fair. It's going to be freaking less fair, and yeah. it sucks because this is a, this is our sport, man. This is our favorite sport. You look at any other sport, NBA, NFL, whatever. You know that you can start the season and play your way in. Here right. you can't, no matter what. You know, Utah got screwed in 04. Utah got screwed in 08, and quite honestly, they'll probably get screwed again this year, which is even more painful because we're supposedly on the inside this time. Well, it just puts all of that pressure on the Oregon game because you know what? If the Oregon game, if if Utah loses, we're not even 
we shouldn't be having this conversation anyway. None of this matters. If they win by a little bit, then it's justifiable. But the the only way I can say it is in Utah's hands is if Utah shows up and makes a statement and beats Oregon fifty to zero, nobody can keep them out. There will be rioting. Yeah, uh, dude, that won't happen. I, I mean, Oregon's eleven and one, dude. They're a good team. There's no way we'd beat them fifty to zero. But I could see, honestly. Oregon hasn't played a defense like ours, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and I mean that. People may hear that on on the surface and roll their eyes, BYU fans, whatever. But dude, we're legitimately the number three defense in the country. Mm-hmm. Oregon has not played a defense like ours, coupled with an offense that's got the best running back we've ever had and a quarterback who's playing at the highest level a Utah quarterback's played ever. I think I think we can beat Oregon something like thirty-four to twenty-four by ten to twelve to fourteen points. I think we can. And in fact, I if we were playing right now, I'd say we would. Because Oregon's they've they've struggled somewhat. They they had the you would look at their game against Washington State. Washington State took the lead with a minute left, and mm-hmm. Oregon had to drive down the field and kick a field goal. That's a Washington State team that we blew out. Yeah. You know, um, you look at Stanford. They went. And they only scored twenty points at Stanford, a team that's not even going to make a bowl game. You know, so mm-hmm. Oregon's had games where they haven't looked great. And ever since that USC game, people point yes, you lost that USC game, but two things really in that game. One, we were without Zach Moss that game. He was injured, didn't play that game. That's a huge loss for us. And two, USC still has talent, and they still have the best receiving core in the country, and that's where they beat us on a bunch of jump balls. And Mm so I think if we play that game ten times, these two teams, we win seven or eight of them. And they Mm -hmm. just happen to be that game where they beat us because we lost Moss. But ever since that game, I think that focused us, woke us up, and we've been a juggernaut since then. A juggernaut. Not you know, and so I don't know. I think if, I think we can beat Oregon by double digits, and I st- it sucks about leaving it in the hands of a committee. That's why I just want Alabama to lose to Auburn, yeah. Oklahoma State to beat Oklahoma, and then the other three to win out. And then it really at that point it's Utah, it's Utah, Oregon. Coming back to a point you made like twenty minutes ago about what standard do you apply? Do you, does it count if what they were ranked at the time or what they're currently ranked when you're calculating that? And I, I realize I don't think you can universally answer that question because there are cases where like a number seven in the nation team really was playing at that level and was that tough at that point in time. And then college football teams can be fickle, you know, the coaching dynamics, you got the young, immature personalities in the locker room. You can have a team that was legit number seven in the nation become a number 30 team in the nation just because they they regressed during the season. And so something like that, you could say, well, yeah, that, that should count. And then Obviously, I think what is more often the case is early season. You you don't know who's good, and so you have to throw somebody in that number seven slot. So not. So yeah. I don't think there's a universal way to say this is how we deal with that. And and that's the the problem is nobody is passionate enough about college football to figure that all out and justify it and come up with a formula and say, well, here's what we do in this situation and that one. And so so you get guys like you and me just arguing forever. Yep. And uh, I don't know, man. I love it though. This is my passion. You know, yeah. I tell people I'm passionate about three things in my life, my family, my faith, and my football all rolled into one little breakfast burrito. You know, mm. this is this is what I live and die for. Like, dude, all week, I mean, all off season, every day during the off season, I'm texting somebody about Utah football. If it's <laughs> yeah. March, if it's July, if it's January, it doesn't matter. It's on my mind every day. And that's what makes this season so freaking riveting and so entertaining because so much is at stake, man. Yeah. So much is at stake this year. I said all off season. I said on our podcast start of the year, this would be our best team ever. 
and I, I stand by it, and I feel like it is our best team ever. Even with the one blemish, I still feel like it is our best team ever. And, dude, we're right in the thick of the playoff race. The new rankings come out tonight, and I cannot stop thinking about it. Will Oklahoma jump us, or will we stay in front of them? It's huge. It's huge, and it comes out tonight, and it's freaking exciting. Who does Utah have coming up this week? Do, who are they playing next? Next game we have at Arizona, uh, one of the two worst teams in the Pac-12. Road game, 8 p.m., um, Arizona's got some injuries on the offensive line. I think our D will feast. I think we'll win big. It's going to be just a carbon copy, like I said, of these last five, six Pac-12 games. We score in the 30s and 40s. They score under 10, and it's a it's a dominant game. Um, and it's it's amazing to me to sit here and watch this after nine years in the Pac-12. When we first got in there, we struggled. We had seasons where we went five and seven, where we went two and seven in Pac-12 play, and now we're just beating everybody up. And yes, it's not these teams we're beating aren't like top level Arizona State or top level UCLA. They're mediocre UCLA and Arizona State, but we are dispatching these guys, and it's just amazing to see how far we've come. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think same type of thing. We go down to Arizona and we roll big and sets up for our last home game against Colorado. Senior day, clinch the South at home, and then it's on to the big daddy, the Pac-12 title game. Nice. Is Khalil Tate healthy? I, I saw just the closing minutes the other game that he didn't finish their last game. He's healthy, but he sucks. He's sucked. It, it, it's the most. It's the weirdest thing. He's been benched like three times this year for the backup quarterback. Like oh, they really? can't decide on a quarterback. Yeah. Okay. It, 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 it's such an anomaly because you look at his year two years ago when he first came in, and he was unfreaking stoppable. He uh-huh. was running three hundred plus yards a game, dude. That's that's unheard of for a quarterback. Nobody could. And he was like Heisman hype and on the cover yeah. of Sports Illustrated, and it was like a two-month span where he was like the best player in college football, and then he opens the next year, BYU breaks his will, and he's never been the same since, right? BYU broke <laughs> his will. Is that what happened, right? Um, yeah. It's, he just he just hasn't been the same. Utah has the, the phenomenon known as the week after Utah. Uh, a lot of teams face BYU, and it's called the rest of the season after BYU because <laughs> that'll happen <laughs> where, you know, uh, and I will, I will argue forever that Texas was a good team the year that BYU destroyed them and got their defensive coordinator fired, and they never recovered all year from that. So, yeah, sometimes, yeah, the, the season after BYU. That's good, yeah. Because I remember they, it was the, all the all the Khalil Tate hype that year in the uh-huh. first game against BYU, and inexplicably, and I think, dude, I think it might just be the coaching in the system because that was Kevin Sumlin's first game, whereas the year before he was under Rich Rod's offense was designed for quarterback runs. Inexplicably, they tried to make him a pocket passer, yeah. and he's not good. That's not where he excels, and he hasn't been good since that day. Like these last two years, he's been mediocre. The thing is, he has he he's so athletic though he'll be stopped five times in a row, and all of a sudden he can break like a ninety yard touchdown. Yeah, but like he's just so up and down. He's he's so yes, Khalil Tate is healthy, but the backup's been playing. I mean, he's been benched. I don't know. I don't. I don't. He's it, he he's he's an enigma. I don't understand him because he was so freaking dominant. Yeah. And now he's just like this guy sucks. You know? Huh. Crazy story. Well, yeah. Should be. Interesting. So anyway, we got we got Arizona. Who you got? You who you guys got? Uh, UMass. Oh we're, yes, we're I've seen all the on, drama. Uh, yes, on Flow Football TV, which you can install on your Roku and watch Flow Football, and that seems to be the story for both fan bases this week. Is that BYU is playing on a service that you have to pay twenty dollars for? Now I've already gone ahead and paid my twenty bucks because I love my program at least twenty dollars worth. And you know what? <laughs> if if you if it's a package deal, if you take all these 
amazing ESPN games and ABC game against USC. And like, I mean, on the whole, the year has been amazing. If you got one game that you have to pay 20 bucks to watch some regional New England broadcast thing for, I'd still take it 10 out of 10 times. It's been, I'm not going to nitpick over this one UMass game. And UMass is garbage. UMass is a terrible team. There's rumors about them shutting down the football program. Or, and I don't know wow. if you do that. I'd say drop them down to FCS or do something like that, which I think they could probably thrive at the FCS level. Uh, but, yeah, it should be a cakewalk. If, if it's anything less than a four-touchdown margin of victory, then something went very wrong. So flow sports, you say? Yes. Excuse me, Flo, what's your soup du jour? That's the thing I totally, like, you can't help but picture that progressive lady. Like, she's she has uh, totally hijacked the word Flo. She is now Flo. Yeah, she has. I think about, though, I mean, you're, you're the same generation, the dumb and dumber scene. A story <laughs> for you. So, around yes. that, my little brother and I, we were driving to see Utah play Oregon. This is 2010. We're still in the Mountain West. Uh-huh. Um, driving to go see Utah play at Oregon. And we're driving through the middle of you know Oregon. We stopped in this tiny town. I don't remember the name of it. But there was a diner there. We went in. We were the only two people there. And after 12 hours in the car, you get kind of loopy, right? And you yeah. laugh at stupid stuff. And so, we're sitting there, me and my fat brother, and this waitress is there, and I look at the menu. I say, "Excuse me, Flo," and then he just looks at me and like tries not to laugh. All he's like squealing behind his menu, and that made me laugh. So for like two minutes, we were just laughing uncontrollably while this waitress was standing there with her paper and pen, staring at us like a couple idiots, two fat morons in the middle of Oregon, squealing at this stupid joke about "Excuse me, Flo, what's your soup to drawer?" Anyway, random memory. Shout out to my little brother Bones Johnson Eleven on Twitter. That was for him. It was it was hilarious, but it was also so stupid. And you gotta add to that. This is this is the thing I always say when people like someone will show me the video of uh, what I'm thinking of right now is after BYU beat Oklahoma, and the the students are just like parading down the street, freaking out, being morons, all that. And and someone's showing me the video of that, and I was like, you know, the the saddest thing about that is you can't blame alcohol or drugs for any of that. That's just who we are. <laughs> it's, so that's that's you and your brother well, you laughing uncontrollably. It's like <laughs> yeah. no, that's just the real you. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, though, dude. But kind of to your point, when you have a win, there is a dopamine that hits your brain that I think makes you act kind of drunk. When I'm at games and we're dominating people, I am in the greatest freaking mood. Everything is freaking hilarious. My stupid fat brothers do this thing all the time where they point up at the sky and see how many people behind them look up to see what they're pointing at. There's nothing there. <laughs> we all giggle at it like a bunch of idiots. But there's just something about the way your brain feels yeah. during a win. It almost is like you're on drugs, man, and I love it. Uh, so stupid do you guys ever do the there's enough of you you can totally do this like at a hotel or something you get in the elevator and you don't face the door you either face backwards or the left or the right and if the two or three of you do that and you're not standing right next to each other you'll get everybody else walking in the elevator to face the way you're facing <laughs> it's, the, it's the dumbest thing but i love things like that too it's like oh i got you and and it's this it's like yeah. burn you know it's like that's not that's the most pointless thing to get somebody on but it's it's just a fun feeling <laughs> <laughs> I have to try that. That's hilarious. Uh, all right, man. We've been rambling long enough about stupid <laughs> stuff. We're almost at an hour. So uh, we predictions this week. This is peak North and Goal right here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So predictions this week. I think Utah wins forty-three to six. I think Arizona State either gets a late touchdown or two field goals. Forty-three to six win big. What about you and your Cougs? Uh, I'm gonna say the exact same. It's gonna be forty-three to six. And and everybody will make a point of that because people will say, 
Could you imagine? Could you imagine only beating UMass by the same score that Utah beat <laughs> Arizona? Could you imagine in November on an, on the internet that you have to pay for? <laughs> the internet's so stupid. I hate it, but I love it at the same time. Yeah. All right, man. Well, tune in tonight. Playoff rankings come out about 5 p.m. Everyone will be get locked in, excited for it. And uh, I guess unless you got anything else to say, we'll see you guys next week. Yep, same bat channel. Go Cougs. Yes, sir. Go Utes.